Welcome back, everyone, to Franklin Covey's On Leadership Series. I'm Scott Miller, and by now you well know that I serve as the weekly host and interviewer each week. Today is the final episode of our 2019 series. We've had some phenomenal interviews and guests. I honestly can't keep track of all the great insights that I've learned. I usually leave depressed because I can never rise to the level of excellence and inspiration of our guests. In the series thus far, we've actually had two guests that I've invited back for the third interview because I thought their content, their insights, their messes and successes, quite frankly, were so real and relatable. The first third series guest was Stephen M. R. Covey, who wrote the book, The Speed of Trust. Our second guest appearing now for the third time is Chris McChesney, who is Franklin Covey's key thought leader on our execution practice and the lead author of the number one Wall Street Journal best-selling book, The Four Disciplines of Execution, sold almost 600,000 copies. Chris, welcome back. Thank you, sir. Great to have you, man. Thanks. You've learned a lot. <laughs> you just, we've, we've made a lot of mistakes. That's a, that's, a couple messes along yeah, the way, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, today, I want to frame the conversation less around what are the four disciplines, right? Anybody can Google you and find a trove of videos around the four disciplines. What I want to spend some time on today is there's five particular challenges that you have and your colleagues, Jim Hewling, Sean Covey, and those in your practice, have identified through literally tens of thousands of engagements, why leaders fail to execute. We're going to kind of flip the script. Before I go to those five, yep. I'd love for you to say, what's your biggest insight that you were proven wrong on oh. from all the first thousands of engagements that now you've come to say, you know, I thought this was true, but really this has changed my thinking. He's just hitting me with this, by the way, folks. Yeah. I got no warning on this one. I think it's stretch goals. I think there's been, we, we always sort of leaned into go a little further, stretch a little harder. And one of the things that we've been taught, and I don't know how many times we had to be taught it before we saw it, was how quickly someone most of us will disengage from a goal when we don't think it's winnable and we're behind. And it's too lofty. Yeah, there's this adage, well, we'll shoot for the stars and if we get the moon, great. Right. And, 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 I, and we were in that camp. Like, we were the go for it, right? And what we're realizing is, no, they'll run up the score when they're ahead, hmm. but they'll also quit when they're behind. And you've got to set goals that are meaningful. They've got to feel high stakes. There's got to be tension. There's got to be some butterflies. But you have to be very careful that you don't stretch yeah. to the point where they disconnect. Yeah. And we were, I think we were very blind to that for probably seven or eight years. Well, I think it's not so unusual in organizations where you have high performance leaders, whether the CEO is, she's an extreme athlete, yep. or he's you know, someone who's never satisfied, yep. and they view success as failure. Because if you accomplish it, then you fail because the goal was set too low. So then they set these goals oh, that are incapable of achieving. And everybody just drowns because if you succeed, then you fail because it was obviously too easy. Yeah, yeah. That's sick. Well, and, and I mean, it, it's, it's sort of, it's almost Darwinian. Like, that's who, that's who's, right? The, the, we promote the, almost that mindset yeah, right. of super achievers. There's a delicate balance that those leaders need to play yep. to keep up their level of performance but calibrate the goals so that they're, they're stretch, but winnable. Yeah. Okay. Let's go to the five things. Your yeah. first challenge of why leaders don't execute is because they confuse this idea you call a concept with a target, right? Yeah. Talk about that. And, and by the way, just a little context on this. 
This Chris, is there's not... no audience here. It's just cameras, all right? Okay. So just, yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh, just God, you. I know. You're used to thousands of people in big convention halls and arenas. It's I just thought, you and I. I thought maybe there were different people in different cameras. <laughs> no, there's not. Sorry. I didn't want to feel neglected. A couple million listening and watching because it's the largest leadership news class in the yeah, world. But yeah, congratulations. Keep going. keep going. Thanks. All right. So this is not just people that fail to execute using the four disciplines. This is a little broader. Yeah. And just in general, what have we observed? Outside, even if someone never understood this methodology at all, um, the first one is the concept and the target. And, and leaders love to drive an agenda. Like, that's key, right? That's a big part of being a great executor. Part of their legacy, this yeah. is what we got done, it's very clear. And you have to be, you have to be compelling and persuasive, but is your message, does your message take the form of a concept? Or does it take the form of a target? Define both. Uh, space program. Le you know, last month yeah. we had the 50th anniversary of the yeah. first moonwalk. Yeah. The did, did we, Chris? Was <laughs> yes, there a moonwalk? We, yes, we did, Scott. <laughs> I hate that. Uh, lead the world in space exploration yeah. was a concept. That was what was... That was what the goal was before yeah. Kennedy said he on the moon. Yeah, and it was compelling, and you could talk about why we needed to do this and why it was so important. The race for it. Yeah, yeah. And, and how countries were falling left and right, right. towards democracy or communism right. based on the progress versus the Soviet Union and the U.S. and the space program. And it was so compelling. You could talk about it all the time. And we weren't going anywhere. We were blowing up rockets on the launch pad yeah. because it was a concept. And leaders can talk about concepts, and you think that it's about selling, the, and it's not. It, it, it starts with clarity. And Kennedy said, man on the moon by the end of the decade and return him safely home. And just those few simple words, right? And, and so often, if you look back, if, if leaders look back over their own career on their wins and their losses, I, I'm going to say you're going to see a pattern of when you were successful, the, the goal, the initiative, the strategy, Right? It took the form of, of one or just a couple of very specific targets. It didn't stand the form. It's almost like you have to, it's like a new language. And whether you're doing four disciplines or not, yeah. um, I'll tell you the people that have written um, Measure What Matters, they get this. Like we found even our competitors, they'll use different words, but this seems to be a theme that runs throughout this body of work. So reason number one why leaders don't execute is they confuse targets and concepts. So speak to the leaders. Stop doing what and start doing what. You may have a very compelling vision. That's great. But it needs to be embodied in a single target, even if that target doesn't encapsulate everything you right. want to come right. along for the ride. doesn't need to be a measurable goal necessarily. No, it, it, I would say it does. does. I would say it does. But it doesn't need to, for instance, man on the moon by the end of the decade didn't accomplish all 15 things that were under lead the world in space exploration. Right. It's okay. I see. But, but, but make sure you're moving right, to something that's yeah. very specific. And some of the other th things that we talk about, we'll come back to this issue, why that's, the, it, it's more important than it sounds at face value. It affects a whole number of other things. Okay, great. Let's go to number two. Second reason why leaders don't execute after decades of speaking and researching is you call it kind of overgoaling the organization. And, and this is a gimme. Uh, most leaders ought to know this. Like, and I should have put this as number one, but I didn't want to start out with something that everybody ought to right, know. Right. You want but to sound should've. smart and build a I know, I wanted yeah. something a little more I know. I got compelling. It. Yeah. But, but number two really is number one. Okay. And it's just, like there might be four disciplines for executing. There's one practice for killing it. Just over goal. Yeah. That's all. They might, they, you know, 
they might love you, but if, if you have so many goals and initiatives, they can't hear you. And this takes two forms. There's death by initiative and there's death by KPI. What does that mean? Death by initiative is we just launched so many initiatives right now. And they're, sometimes they're coming from different functions, but they're falling on one person. Like, you know, you got eight different functions that are trying to push and all well-meaning and just really doing the best they am, but everything's going through these general managers. I mean, it really takes a leader's extraordinarily, extraordinary discipline and maturity to say no to all these great ideas and recognize we're going to implode our people. We should do these, they're all genius, they all rank at equality, but I gotta say no to some things or I'm fooling myself. Do you realize there are people watching this right now that know you and I? Yes, And I the know. level of yes. hypocrisy that they're currently no, no. experiencing, Part, that they're getting the, the, from the us. The first step to recovery is acknowledgement. Is acknowledgement. We know, <laughs> like, you're looking at two of the worst violators and the, the fact that we're even talking about this. It means we're on our way. Yeah, 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 I'm glad we're not in a church. Yeah. I just you're, wanna say you're that. You're calling me out. <laughs> oh, I'm, and I'm worse than you, like, and you can write a book on it. Every time I bet against focus, I lose. Yeah. And, and you know, we call the first discipline focus, really all four are just different ways of institutionalizing and calibrating focus in an organization. But I, I'll say this to the leaders as well. If you look back over your career at failure points, you had too much on the plate. And if you've ever seen a really brilliant, successful leader, brilliant, let me call them likable. If they were successful, they probably wouldn't fail. Have you ever seen a really brilliant, likable leader fail? Sure and you look back, what you'll normally see is they were they bit off more than they Spread could Spread too thin. It, you know, so easy and I don't do. know that it's counterintuitive, but uh. it's sort of counter-desirable because part of being fulfilled at work is unleashing your creativity and thinking up new initiatives and bringing all that you had to bear. And so you, it's kind of more fun to have multiple things on the plate versus saying, no, 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 no. I'm just gonna put on blinders and drive this to the end of the road. That's not as fun, true? Pa uh, Patrick Lencioni last month, I got to hear speak. He's so good, I don't even want to be that good, by the way. If you ever get a chance to see Lencioni, he's crazy good. It's all authentic, and he's relaxed, and he's hilarious. But one of the things he said was, he's, and he's at, the, he's at the world's largest leadership conference, yeah. Global Leadership Summit, and he says, and they're all about leadership. And he says, he says to me, he says, you all say everybody should, can be a leader. He says, everybody shouldn't be a leader. I agree. I totally agree, I read about it in my book, I agree. Right, it's, it's, he says everyone can have influence, everyone shouldn't have influence. Right, that's right. But the CEO here, sometimes his biggest fear is that Scott can get anything done. <laughs> that's a problem, Scott can get anything done, whether he wants it or not, right? I don't know if we've created a monster, but we have one. But to your point, Scott, you know what you were saying about it's not as fun. Yeah. You know, saying no to good ideas, but, but I would also say, go back and look at the best operators, look at the best executors that you've ever worked with. Like, we don't have a monopoly on these principles. The best executor you ever worked with got really singularly clear on the next thing. Yeah. And they were landing one plane at a time. And had the courage to say no to other great, salacious ideas, yep. say no to the CEO even. Not right now. They, they, they say not right now. They say right. yes. Well, you know, right. I mean, but they, they, and they keep, people. And they have to keep a lot of plates spinning. That's yeah. not the same. Right. But there's, there's a primary focal point. Yeah. Third reason leaders don't execute is they confuse planning instead of targeting. Yeah. Talk about that. Okay, this is my favorite, and it's super hard for me to explain in the past. I think I know how to do it now. Okay. And it was something that is, it's, it goes beyond four disciplines, but we saw it 
we saw the distinction while doing four disciplines. One of the things that the four disciplines forces a leader to do, and we didn't realize that it did this, but it does, is it forces you to stay in targets before moving to planning too quickly. So it, four disciplines forces you to stay with the what's before you move to the how's. So I'm gonna give you an example, yeah, because it it's a bit ethereal. And I, and I love hotels because we all stay in hotels and everybody can relate to them. I don't have to do a lot of background. But so here's, you've got hundreds of reps in the hospitality industry. Coincidentally. But let's say the goal is improved guest satisfaction and you as a leader are responsible for that result. Here's what moving to planning looks like. I gotta, I gotta improve guest satisfaction. Okay, we need a new breakfast bar. Um, the carpet in the lobby needs to be replaced. Oh, we need training for our engineers on getting, making sure everything's in working order. We need, um, you know, we need a new front entry process. We need new key cards. We need da-da-da. Let's get all our smartest people together in the room and let's plan, let's create a plan. That's moving to planning. And it's so natural, we don't even question it. And we started to see this because people wanted to go here and it was bumping and it wouldn't work with four disciplines. And what you're, you were forced to do in four disciplines that we later saw is a tendency of really good executors, even outside of four disciplines, is this. They don't move to the how. They keep breaking the what down. So if the goal is improved guest satisfaction, what are the primary battles? Arrival experience. Now, they could be 12, but we're going to pick three. We're going to own arrival experience, problem resolution, and food and beverage quality. Okay. I haven't said a, I haven't said a, a how yet. I'm still in the what's. And you know what? There's three different teams that affect arrival experience. And we're going to work with those teams to define a what, not a how. So reduce luggage delivery time from 106 minutes to 20 minutes in a giant convention hotel. That was a real number. Right. Uh, Im improve room availability in the afternoon from X to Y. I'm not telling anybody how to do something. We're staying, like, we're staying in clay. We're not moving to oil paints. Like We're staying in the medium of targets. And it's so natural to move to planning, we don't even see it. I, I saw it again with a, I won't say which, which, um, uh, which group in the military it was, but one of the services, we were working with the group responsible for technology for the whole thing. And you can't believe how a dozen people were ready to go to how and, and start dictating to thousands and how hard it was to keep them and no, 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 we are not ready to start. We are not ready to start. It, you know, it almost assumes that, hey, we're the brains, we're the brains, and those other 10,000 people, those are the arms and the fingers, and they do what we say. Like, it's so natural, we don't even question it. Instead of saying, no, 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 let's facilitate targeting lower and lower and lower. And the lower you get the targets down, the more you can pull initiative and innovation from the people that are closest to the work. The Deming says are the only ones that really understand the solutions yeah. anyways. Wow. So if that makes sense, it does, yeah. just be, watch yourself. Have I gone to planning too quickly? If I can, if I can deconstruct the target lower, uh, the, here's the interesting thing. I lose some control in the process, right? I'm holding people accountable. It's, it's, it's an age-old leadership adage. I'm holding people accountable for the, for the results. I'm not dictating the means. And it challenges a lot of... Now, there's still, there are those planning things that have to happen at a high level. I'm not saying they're not, but we overplay that a lot. So that's number three, you and know, I feel I, like I might have explained it no, I think for it's the excellent. first time in yeah. a way that was understandable. I think extraordinary, and it has, it has reminded me of a visceral experience I had a few weeks ago mm. with Marriott. 
I was on about a 10-city book tour with the launch of my recent book, Best of Success. I was, I was flying from Denver to San Francisco. I landed in San Francisco, and I'd take a car to the, air, to the hotel, downtown San Fran. I have to get up into my room to host a 1,000-person live webcast. So I've got to get in a room or a quiet hallway to let it get on and, and, and deliver a 1,000-person webcast. There are hundreds of people in the lobby, hundreds, at various stages of checking in, checking out. It's this massive people. And because I'm one of the more senior status people at Marriott, I asked the, the front kind of host person, what do I do? She said, well, get in this line. And the line's about 10 deep or so. I explained to her, I said, I have a major problem. I've just landed. I have like 18 minutes to get dialed in, get the VPN going, log into it. And she says, well, stay in this line. I'll see what I can do for you. And she goes over to the, the check-in desk, the, the people at the desk, and it's still four or five deep. The three people from the concierge desk immediately flip from whatever it is they're doing. There's no guests there. And they start checking people in. I'd never seen it happen. I'd never mm -hmm. seen the concierge on their own initiative flip stuff. from making dinner reservations to pulling the people into the line. I had the best experience. I was in my room in six minutes on the webcast, killed it all because Marriott was focused on that arrival experience and getting the people into their rooms for whatever we had overbooked ourselves for. I am an unabashed evangelist because they were so focused all on right. that metric. So take it home. This is it, this is it, this, this is how, I love this, because this is how the principle shows up. If these people were just obedient to a strategic plan created from others, if they were really good at the new hiring process, if they were really good at the new- They wouldn't have been watching, process, they wouldn't have been looking. Yeah, yeah leaders, can, leaders can put, you know, an, like direct leadership influence from high levels can get certain things done. But if you don't take the target down, yeah. you kill the innovation. They were they you get a not my job kind of mentality. Yeah, they had That's to get your out. job. This is my job. Right. It's a great. It's a beautiful example that they were thinking about the result, not what the organization wanted yeah. them to do. I, I wasn't it's especially loyal to one hotel. I I'm so you, glad it ended they, well because they they're did. the biggest users of 4DX in well, the universe. Well, it's, and it's, on, the, it's, on the managed side, the, the franchise side's getting into it right now. Yeah. But the, and, and the bigger properties tend to be the managed ones. Well, so. you could see it in action. To me, the big learning, and I'll land the story, was it was one half the kind of the ambassador in the front, this yeah. lady that was, you know, kind of watching yeah, a thousand right. people, but right. the other was just watching the concierge not have a not my job mentality was let's all work together and get these guests into what they need. It was so It wasn't just inspiring. an outstanding person. There was something systemic. Oh, it's a cultural thing. Yeah, yes. exactly. That's Absolutely. really fun to watch. That's great. Um, That's a perfect illustration to it. Fourth reasons why leaders don't execute inability, do you call it, to align functions. Yeah. Riff on that. Sometimes, and this shows up in different ways, but almost everybody feels this rub between. If you, ever, if, you, like, if you have a group of leaders and you're talking about execution breakdowns and you throw out cross-functional friction, all the heads nod. Like it's one of those gimmies that everybody relates to the need for, for cross-functional collaboration. And sometimes as a leader, particularly if you have multiple functions reporting to you, it's, it's really easy to start defaulting to those personalities. Mm -hmm. And like one of the things, there's different ways to get at this. One of the things that we do is when we're doing targeting exercises, we have the functional leaders metaphorically take off their functional hats. So I know your procurement, right. I know your manufacturing, right. I know your marketing, mm -hmm. but your other job is you're part of my leadership team. Right. And for the next three hours, you take those hats off. Yeah. 
And like when NASA came up with the three battles under man on the moon, navigation, propulsion, and life support, those goals were not owned by, there was no function, there was no department of navigation, right? It required cross-functional thinking and leaders that can engage. Steve Jobs was famous for this. Like he'd get core functional leaders in a room yeah. and he wouldn't, wouldn't start a project until he had them. And then he would attack, you know, and that's, but it takes enormous focus to be able to do that. There's different ways to do it, but not, not allowing your functional leaders to just run in silos is, I guess, yeah. one way to say it. I think also, this will sound self-serving, I think our chairman, Bob Whitman, is really excellent at this. Really good at this, isn't he? I've, I've been on his executive team for almost a decade. And for a decade, I led marketing. But when you got in Bob's office, you left your P&L behind, you left your functional hat behind, and you were as invested in operations as you were in sales or innovations. Everybody and I would to forget, check it. I don't know, I would forget myself. So I would think I was in the room because I represented execution, and I would say something on behalf of the execution team, and I would be reminded. Yeah, and I think the best manifestation yeah, was great it was clear that I led marketing, and Bob would also be talking to me about the sales goal and would treat me as if I was the EVP of sales. And to me, it was a compliment because he would kind of forget what your functions were because everybody had checked their ego at least for that two hours. Yeah, your function and your ego yes. at the door. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, and, and I, I like that you're saying this too because it's not just a kind of a mechanical insight. It's a leadership trait. Well, it's a cultural imperative. Yeah. Any advice you'd give leaders on when they, maybe they're not the CEO, yeah. but a leader of any team that's got you know divisional managers reporting to you, how does she or he build a team culture where you do get people to check their functional roles? I might use Bob on this one too. Great. I think, um, I think it goes back to the first principle of targets instead of concepts. Yeah. Yeah. I think we'll, when we talk about Everyone concepts, knows the job to be done. Yeah, right? When we talk about concept, everybody smiles and nods their head. And I love that. And I know how I can stay in my lane yeah. and protect my budget yeah. and, and, and still sort of kind of meet that con. But the minute you switch to targets and then my team has got to come up with a piece that drives, right? There's something that happens that allows for cross-functional collaboration. Marriott's, Marriott's got it. Why else would the concierge people have immediately because joy? Because they shared a, they shared a goal right. around arrival. There was experience. no drudgery. There That's was, right. Okay. No, there was. How can I help you? Which yeah. is instant. Yeah. Yeah. If the concierge was worried about just the concierge function, they don't drop their function to help in that moment. It's a perfect yeah. example. Yeah. Yeah. The fifth reason that leaders don't execute is you say they're constantly playing defense. Yeah. Go ahead. This is and this is a little bit unfair. And by the way, I want to say, it's really easy to throw rocks at leaders, and I, I am continually um, just aware that I don't know that there's anything harder. Like the easiest thing to do. Parenting. Is, maybe, yeah, right? And, and I don't know that there's much Parenting difference. Parenting Wentworth. Yes, that's my four-year-old. <laughs> I love that you have that's a- That's a nightmare. I love that you have a Wentworth. You, just, yeah. you deserve that for calling it Wentworth. <laughs> that's Wint Wentworth Reagan Miller. Yeah, Wentworth, <laughs> Wentworth Republican. <laughs> no comment. Okay, so, so um, this, this, and we can come back to the parenting thing in a second, but this, um, you know, it's so hard. Building an argument. That, you come to defense first thing yeah, in the morning, right? Yeah, Bill, I mean, for the rest of us to look at a leader, and like I'm doing right now, I feel bad doing it, just saying here are the five places that leaders, everything about it is hard. You're wrong 80% of the time You've in a leadership yeah, position, right. right? And it's so easy for everybody from the peanut gallery to have an opinion, and right. we should have done this. Right, and, right. and it's like, this is why not everybody should be a leader, because right. it's, it's not like, 
It's not easy on your ego it'll, at all. It'll, it'll suck you. Right. It'll suck your soul. This one is really easy um, for everybody to find themselves doing. And it's to be on defense. And, you know, for six months to go by, and you were, you were fighting fires. And you've... You're burnt out. Yeah. You're accepting And you didn't calls. create those fires. Yeah. And you had to put them out. And so those fires, and the fires are going to keep coming. And we're okay if it's 80% defense. But it takes a lot of discipline to put energy against an initiative. And here's why. Because the initiative has no inherent urgency. The fires all have urgency. So to spend 80% of your time on the urgent, that's, that's comfortable. That's what everything inside you wants to do. Mm -hmm. But do you have the internal fortitude, and there's why everybody shouldn't be a leader, to or, put energy, or yeah. yeah, or a parent, oh boy, this is relates, to put energy against critical initiatives that are not urgent today, while there's other stuff still burning that is. Do you have a ratio? Like, have you said, of all the leaders I've met that are, oh. have learned to do it the best, they're 60-40 they're offense, is there any kind of that mental peg you might leave our people with to say, here's kind of your calibration. Find yourself in this ratio. I'll think about this, but I see it. I don't see it as leaders who do and leaders who don't. I see it as getting sucked in and get, pulling yourself back out. I think everybody porpoises. Yeah. Kind of clutching gas, so to speak. Right? Yeah, and the good mm -hmm. leaders have this discipline to be able to stay on strategic imperatives that in the day, in the moment, never feel as urgent as the fires. Might be those spinning plates that are also back here, you're kind yeah. of keeping them warm yeah. if and when you're ready to use them. Right, and it, you feel like you're out of your mind. I'm, I'm gonna, seriously, there's, there's, there's two negative feelings associated with this dynamic. One is the feeling that we're gonna spend energy on this imperative while there's other issues that feel like they need immediate attention. Re, re, saying no to the urgency fix yeah. feels terrible, yeah. but it doesn't feel as bad as this. What feels worse is at the end of the month when you look back and you've made no progress on your strategy. See, in the moment, it feels good to scratch the itch, right. to attack the urgent, to play mm -hmm. defense. Mm -hmm. In the moment, that feels great. But I'll tell you, um, at the end of the month, um, looking back and knowing that you didn't do anything but firefight all month, that's a really bad feeling. So Chris, what does playing offense look like for a leader? It means spending energy on things that are not urgent in the moment. Being able to differentiate between important and urgent, which is a time management principle. Yeah, and, and, and all of the, you don't have to differentiate between the urgent because the urgent's coming at you. <laughs> and everything, here's the thing, everything inside of you, everything inside of you wants to address the urgent. Human beings are wired to move to the urgent in the moment. Yeah. And it's painful. You, you feel like you're out of your mind. You're like, I can't believe I'm spending time on this right now. I must be out of my mind. And there's a certain pain associated with that. But that pain is not as bad as the pain at the end of the month when you realize you've been killing yourself all month and you've not made any progress on the critical strategic priority. And, it, right? and uh, Jim Rohn, the, the motivational speaker, he has this great quote. He says that the pain of discipline is better than the pain of regret. Like in the moment to spend energy on offense when everything inside me wants to, right? Those, some of those fires are still burning. I'm gonna spend energy here. Does not feel sexy. It doesn't even feel smart. And there's a pain associated with that. And, but those are the leaders who win in the end. And it's better than the pain of looking back and feeling like, geez, I can't believe it's the end of the month already. 
Chris, you've been in the firm for 30 years, a lot of variety 28. roles. 28. You've been in almost 28. 29. I said almost 30. No, it is you, you, you have served business development, marketing. You were a mentee of Dr. Covey for 20 plus years. You were a, a, a vice president of sales. You have been a, a best-selling author, a speaker. You're spending Sounds now- It's really good when you no, say no, no, that I'm your way. agent, bro. <laughs> right. no. right. He didn't mention all of the galactic failures right. along right. the way. Thank right. you, by the I'm way. I'm on your side. I, I know that you're spending the majority of your time now. You're paid here to be our thought leader, so you're paid to think. What a great accolade. You're paid to write. You have some new books that are kind of in the, in the galaxy being developed. You're spending most of your time in front of clients, right? Working at the senior level, giving, giving a lot of kickoff keynote speeches. When a client hires you to give a speech at a conference and event, what is the circumstance like? So anybody who's thinking, yeah, you know what? I might yeah, want to have yeah, him yeah, yeah. come speak. What's that kind of sweet spot where you would say, you know what? I will kill this for you yeah. if this is your circumstance. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And, and, and we didn't figure this out. Like this wasn't a marketing thing. This just started, started happening. Yeah. We're batting cleanup. So they love us at the end of conferences. So it shows up in two ways. You got a, uh, uh, a corporate event. You aren't the kickoff to set no, the conditions no, for the no. CEO. I mean, occasionally, but no, yeah. no, it's better at the end. And they've been talking about a new, we're gonna move to a distribution model. Yes. We're gonna, right, we're gonna, it's new products now and, and, and they've launched some new stuff. They've always, right, that yearly cycle, right? 80% of those, they're really pushing a new direction. And they wanna end with execution theme and they wanna end with some practical tools so people are leaning into the execution side of it and don't just get lost in the day job when they get back. Yeah. That's the one setting. Yeah. The other setting is more like association events and it's the same dynamic. Industry conferences. Industry conferences. Yeah. And it's the same dynamic where they're feeling like we've given these people so many ideas. They're on idea overload. Let's end with a really clear message on focus and getting traction. So we, we like to bat, we like to bat clean up. Yeah. Uh, what's the biggest lesson you learned from Dr. Covey? Mm. I've asked you this before in previous interviews, but what sticks with so you, just went, it's been seven pew. years since his yeah. passing. You spent two decades working closely with him. And it affected, it was his big idea, and it affects us every single day. And it's the idea that we are not in charge down here. We do not get to dictate consequences. We are not in control. Principles, natural law. If there's something going wrong in your life, don't play a victim. Figure out what principle you are violating. Mm -hmm. right? If people aren't listening to you, Right? It might not be because of who you are or some issue. Right? It might be that you're violating the principle that to have influence, you have to first be influenced. Mm. Right? There's, I, I, I love this. My wife and I got exposed to Dr. Covey's content very early in our marriage. And we feel like we have, the family we have is in part because of these principles. But whenever there's something wrong, and, and I don't like what's happening in my life, I can go victim or I can go, all right, what, what I do. What, what, what principle am I violating? Yeah. And mm -hmm. usually it's, it's pretty apparent when you think that way. And that, I absolutely, um, I absolutely give credit to Dr. Covey for that. Chris, third time as a guest, you always deliver. Thank you. Thanks for coming back. Love this. If you've got any good ideas, uh, send me a text and we'll have you back in I, 2020. I, you know right? I will. You know I All will. Right. All right. Hey, Thank thanks you, for joining us, uh, Chris McChesney. Franklin Covey's lead thought leader on our execution practice. If you've not picked up a copy of the book, be the 600 Six hundred one thousandth person to, person to buy the book, the four disciplines My of kids, execution. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, the four disciplines, and we'll see you back here next week in 2020 for the first interview of the new year. I promise you, it won't disappoint.